listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning into the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. This past week, I kicked off a series on Hebrews 12. And this past week, I talked about obedience and whether or not it's worth it to follow after Jesus. Because we all get to those places in our spiritual walk where it's tempting to fall away. Not fall away necessarily from the gospel or fall away from God. We can still very much believe in him, but fall away in terms of being diligent, being faithful, doing the tasks that he gives us. We can fall away from those sometimes just because the way gets really hard and we get discouraged and we're just not sure we can keep going. So I'm going to be continuing on with part two of that series I started last week. And for this particular episode, I'm excited because last week, as I mentioned, was a little difficult in that we were unpacking a very hard passage, hard in terms of it's a little severe, it's a warning not to fall away. But as I mentioned last week, there's always an encouragement we can find in scripture, even in the severe passages that are challenging for us to read. There is always hope because of Jesus and because of the gospel and what he's done for us. And so this week we get to focus on not the warning so much, but the encouragement that we can find in the same passage of Hebrews 12, because even though there is a warning within that passage, there is also encouragement. And so that's what we'll be focusing on in, in this episode is really talking about, uh, just encouraging us in those places where it's, we're not sure we we're going to make it. We want to follow Jesus. We want to be obedient. We are saying yes and amen to everything preached last week on not falling away from the faith. We know the importance of continuing on. And yet we just may be stuck. We just may be held in a pattern that we've been in for too long of struggling with the same problem or the same obstacle in front of us that we can't get around. Maybe we've tried to go through it. We've tried, but we've failed. And so we kind of feel like this is an obstacle that is going to be there forever. So this episode is for just an encouragement that we, um, we have what we need in the Christian walk and what Jesus has done for us and him walking with us. We have what we need to make it through those obstacles. And it's reminding ourselves of those truths. I want to just start by telling a story. I have three children and my middle child is a seven-year-old and he is currently a second grader. And recently I was... Um, helping him with some homework. He generally has spelling words and math, a math worksheet and some reading to do every night. But I was helping him with his math and I was just sitting while he was working on a worksheet, a timed exercise. And my son is generally a whiz at math. He's a factual guy. He's a great memorizer. Math has never been a problem for him. 
And so I was really surprised because as he was going through his worksheet, all of a sudden he just slammed down his pencil and just said, I can't do it. And I've never really heard him say that about math before. Um, he just it generally is, is pretty good at math. And so I talked with him a little bit and I was like, you know, what, what is it you feel you can't do? What's the matter? And as I, you know, was looking over a sheet, I realized that my son was speeding through problems that had small numbers that he'd been accustomed to in like kindergarten and first grade, small, you know, addition and subtraction problems that he could easily do like two plus six and four plus five. But on his second grade worksheet that he had, there were bigger numbers that he hadn't been accustomed to before. And he had 18 minus nine and 17 minus two. And when he was getting to some of these bigger numbers, he couldn't figure out the answer in his head or he hadn't memorized it because he hadn't seen it before. And so he immediately just was shutting down because he didn't know what to do. So I suggested to him that he try counting on his fingers. And I know that if you're an elementary school teacher, um, <laughs> you may be horrified that I'm teaching my son to count on his fingers. I've heard they don't do that anymore. But I wanted to give him a strategy so that when he came to a problem he didn't know and he couldn't figure it out in his head, I wanted to give him a way that he could solve it using his fingers. So at first when I showed him the strategy, he was getting mixed up. He didn't know how to count up. Um, he didn't, uh, he was trying to use his fingers and he was getting them all mixed up and, and um, he couldn't even get his fingers to like operate correctly because he's seven and so his fingers were getting all jumbled when he was trying to count. And I was thinking in my head, oh my goodness, this is not working here. What are we gonna do? But I just kept on persisting and telling him to keep trying. And so he did. And it took a few days, but we just kept on reinforcing this strategy. But he went from me having to tell him how to do it to being able to do it on his own. And a few days later, he was filling out his timed worksheet, a similar worksheet as the one a few days earlier. And he was able to do all of the problems he encountered on his own and he was counting on his fingers and I was so excited to see that because he had you know he was so um, resistant to learning anything a new strategy and and he just seemed so discouraged so I was so encouraged to see that he was learning to do that now I tell the story because sometimes in a Christian walk we might be like my son and get to a place where we get to some math problems so to speak that we've never seen before and suddenly we're shutting down and saying, I can't do this. We try to do the task God sets before us and we fall short. And we may find ourselves in a frustrating pattern of failing and feeling like we can never reach, you know, we can never get past that obstacle. We can never reach a certain standard. We may know everything the gospel says about what Jesus has done for us on the cross and how he helps us in our weakness and he makes us righteous in the sight of God and all those good things. But as I discussed last week, there are certain blessings in our spiritual walk, certain things that we can attain unless 
we are diligent in the tasks God give us. And so we may know that and yet have these tasks that we try it and fail or just have this obstacle in front of us. Maybe God's really working at us on us um, to progress in our spiritual walk at the moment means to, you know, maybe God's working on us to get a handle on a certain um, pattern of sin we have, a, a certain addictive behavior, or maybe there's just something that's really preventing us from being effective, whether that's pride or that's fear or, or some other area. So we may be desiring to to walk with him at the higher level that he's leading us, but this place may just not be comfortable or easy, and we have no idea how to overcome the obstacles that are in front of us, whether that, you know, we may have been in a certain pattern for so long that it just seems like too hard to change. A blog that I really like is aholyexperience.com, and it's Ann Voskamp. I started reading her blog after I did a study of hers, 1000 Gifts. And Ann Voskamp posts her own writing on her blog, but she also posts a lot of guest posts and particularly excerpts from books that are coming out, Christian books. And not too long ago, I saw a post. It's actually just an excerpt from a book called Preach to Yourself, but it was written by Haley Morgan. And it was very interesting because she was able to, in this post, really, I guess, summarize or identify and put a name on this, what I'm talking about here. She calls it an integrity gap. And that's the distance between what we intellectually know we should do and what we actually do. She calls that an integrity gap. So those places in our Christian walk where we have in front of us the place we want to go and in our heads, we know how we want to change and we know where we we need to be and where God's leading us, but we're, we're not there. And so there's a gap between that and, and where we actually are. And Haley Morgan calls, you know, what we know in our head to do and what we're actually doing an integrity gap. But in her, her post, which I will put up the link in this excerpt, um, she just tells this example um, to illustrate this point, her husband brought up somehow, I, I'm not sure exactly how, but what he was looking up or how he came across this video, but he came across a YouTube video and it was this group of guys and one of the guys had welded the gears on handlebars so that a bike operated backwards. So if you turned right to go right, you'd actually go left. And I have no idea how they're able to do this, but this video on YouTube that her husband was watching was of these grown men and they were all standing around and one by one trying to ride this backwards bike and falling off and laughing because it was so difficult to do. And even though they had all been riding bikes since childhood, they were struggling to ride this bike because of the fact that it was functioning functioning backwards. And basically Morgan's point is that the hard task Jesus sets before us can be as awkward and un uncomfortable as riding a backwards bike. And we keep falling off because we're not used to riding the bike this way. And we may want to give up on learning whatever Jesus wants to teach us or make a needed change in our lives because it's not coming naturally. Um, so she basically kind of talks about how, you know, that 
basically it's kind of like riding a backwards bike. But if you continue to read on her post, she talks about how Jesus, you know, helps us in those places, how we can remind ourselves of truths from scripture. And she, you know, kind of wraps up at the end uh, by explaining that this guy, there was one guy in the group who really persevered and took a whole year to ride a bike and eventually was able to ride this backwards this backwards bike. And I have no idea why someone would be that diligent in learning to do that. But she just uh, gives that really great example to encourage us in those places where we feel like there's such a huge distance between where where um, what actions we know we should do in our head and, and what we actually do. So perhaps this very dilemma that Haley Morgan's talking about of finding it hard to live out what we know in our head to be true, maybe this dilemma is what the writer of Hebrews had in mind when he penned these words in Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root causes uh, grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, I talked about this verse in my last episode, and as I explained, I had always understood this verse to mean that anger that festers can affect others in a negative way, that the bitter root it's talking about here is is talking about bitter attitudes or negative emotions that affect others negatively in, in um, our church community. And it can mean that, but when I did a deeper study of the words and looked at it in the context of the entire book of Hebrews, which the entire book of Hebrews is an encouragement not to fall away in the faith, was written for uh, Jewish Christians experiencing persecution, I realized the meaning of this verse goes beyond that. The verse um, is actually probably primarily talking about uh, those who not necessarily have bitter attitudes, but get slothful in their spiritual walk and fall away. Not fall away in terms of not believing necessarily in the gospel, but fall away in terms of being diligent in the task God gives them. When we look at um, also what it's talking about in this verse concerning falling short of the grace of God, as I again explained last week, this is not talking about falling away in terms of salvation, but it is falling, talking about falling away in terms of coming up short or deficient and c- ceasing to really listen to God, to do what he asks, to uh, ceasing to be diligent and steadfast in our faith walk. The reason that I believe many Christians, as I'm thinking about this verse and also just what um, Haley, you know, Morgan's talking about as far as the integrity gap, I think she identified so clearly the frustration that many of us feel between what we know we should do and what we do. And I believe that that the writer of Hebrews is also um, talking about that same idea is that, and when we look at that is I believe that many Christians drift um, not so much because they stop believing in God, but because they get to a place where the path before them, it looks too hard. It's like my son encountering the math problems with the big numbers he'd never seen, 
we get to new levels with Jesus and we want to progress, but we can't seem to overcome. And it's in those places, rather than turn to God, we, we may just feel like he expects of us to just go out there and do it. And we may feel too ashamed to turn to him, or we may feel like we're just supposed to be able to do it. And so why can't we? Or we may give up without really um, practicing. As I mentioned before, um, with the YouTube video, the guy who actually was able to successfully ride the backwards bike, the only one, worked on it for an entire year. But a lot of us, before we we um, put in that kind of effort, we just shut down and we say, I want to, Lord, but I can't. We are aware of the integrity gap between his standard given to us in his word and where we are in fear that, that we just can't change. We can't get through the obstacle. We'll just never make it. Or, or can we? You know, every article that I write is birthed out of a place of, generally, of a lesson God is teaching me or some kind of truth that's resonating with me in my own spiritual walk. And this article, this whole series is really no different. But recently, I'll just be honest with you, I was crying over some circumstances in my life and really a struggle that I've had with fear that has really not gone away. It's always been there, but it's been very intense lately because there have been a few situations where my fear has just been intensified, that it's very difficult for me to speak to people about um, Jesus in public. I struggle with that, but I also struggle with God's, sometimes his, you know, he gives me something to tell people. And it's very difficult for me because often it's, it's a message that I'm very fearful of how the other person is going to take it. And I'm struggling with that because I want to be faithful and obedient, but I'm human and it's an area that I definitely want to overcome. And I was really discouraged as I was going through Hebrews initially because there's war there are hard and harsh warnings in Hebrews, such as 12, 15, which I mentioned, which it talks about, don't be sloth, you know, don't be slothful. Don't be the bitter root that falls away. And it's, it's difficult to read because I, as well as you listening, I know we do not want to be that. And yet there's frustration because I want to overcome an area that has been so impossible for me. It feeling, it feels impossible. It's not impossible, but it does feel impossible for me to overcome. And as I was just talking about this with the Lord, just utterly, I think, done as far as just so exhausted from some recent events related to this. Um, And I was telling him how exhausted and tired I was and how I just was done. And I felt discouraged by the warnings that were given in Hebrews. And I felt like I told him that I felt like it was kind of a depressing you know, some of those passages are really depressing. And as God has so often done for me before, he He uh, gave me a word in my mind. And there was just this word that popped up and it was perfecter. And I knew exactly 
where this was coming from. It's from Hebrews 12, the same passage, but Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Um, I'm going to read it to you in a minute, but it cites Jesus as the perfecter, the author and perfecter of our faith. So um, I decided that I needed to look another, take another look at that passage because that word was just one that was popping up in my mind. And I believe that it was God giving me that word. But this is what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, some translations say author, and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In this verse, the word perfecter means finisher or completer in the Greek. And we might look at that and say, yes, that is so encouraging. Jesus does finish my faith or perfect it. But if we truly look at the meaning of the words, it's more than that. Certainly Jesus does um, finish, help us finish in our faith. He does perfect and work in us and make us more like him when we walk with him. But Jesus is a finisher, not just of our faith, but you'll notice the wording here. It says pioneer and perfecter of faith. And some translations say of the faith. Other translations, the word our has been added in. Oh, you are. But in actuality, it that was added in later. It's really saying pioneer and perfecter of faith or the faith. So when we look at that meaning that he's not just the perfecter of our individual faith, but the perfecter of the faith, we understand that it's Jesus who made it possible for us to even run the race of faith because of what he did on the cross. And we are, because of what he did, we are no longer under the imperfect law of the Old Testament. We have the gospel and we have a way in Jesus for it to be possible for us to have help on our journey. One of the things I'll be talking about next week and exploring more in detail as I wrap up the series is the idea that under the Old Testament, the people had the letter of the law, but they didn't have the means, the spirit of God living inside of them, the means by which to do it. And so there was this incredible um, gap between what the law required and what the people were able to do. But in the new covenant that, that Jesus ushered in, it's not that all of those commands go away. It's not that Jesus doesn't require anything of us. He does. We are still expected to demonstrate certain behavior as Christians. We still have to participate in our faith journey and do hard things. But we don't do those alone. When things feel as hard and as possible as riding a backwards bike, we have Jesus and the Spirit of God living within us to help us do what we can't do on our own. You might be listening and saying, you know what? That's great. 
I've, but I've been with Jesus a long time and I have been struggling in this for a long time. I literally can't overcome this. And to you, I would say the same thing I've been telling myself. And that is through him, all things are possible. And that is Matthew 19, 26. Nothing is impossible for God. When we can't, we're not expected to just try harder or just suck it up and try to make it work. We turn to him we keep pressing in. We pray. We cry out to him. We say, Jesus, I am struggling. I need help. I am failing. Like Peter sinking in the water, Jesus reaches out his hand and pulls us up and helps us through those areas that we cannot get through on our own. So we keep taking those small, shaky, scared steps in reliance on his spirit. We don't quit. We we might be making steps that are sloppy, that are completely imperfect, but we keep going. We keep trying. We don't stop running the race because of our perfection, imperfection, understanding that it's what he did for faith, the faith that makes it possible for us to repent, to have the spirit of God help us, to makes it possible for us in our weakness to turn around when we mess up. All of those things he made possible by what he did on the cross. I gave the story of my son and the strategy I gave him to complete his math problems. But life isn't always like that. We can't always fix whatever stands in our way with a simple one, two, three plan or a helpful mantra or a strategy like counting on our fingers. We need God and our only strategy should be to fall before him and proclaim our utter need for him and inability to do whatever it is on our own. That is our strategy. So when you're in those places where you can't, or you feel like you can't, you turn to him and he helps turn those statements into, I can. Philippians 4.13 tells us that we can do all things through him who gives us strength. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, there are areas in our, our in our spiritual walk that are intimidating for us. We come up to them. We want to get past them because we know that there is something good for us that lays that is lies beyond what is holding us back, what is standing in our way. And yet, we're so intimidated by what we see in front of us and we may have even tried in the past to get past whatever it is that is holding us back and we haven't been able to. And so like my son with a math problem, we may just say, I can't and say that over ourselves. But Lord, you tell us in scripture that because of what you've done on the cross, we can. Those things you ask of us, you don't ask us to do them on our own. You walk with us on our journey and you help us bridge the incredible gap between our ability and the commands you give us in scripture and you help us accomplish what we can never accomplish in our own. Lord, help us just to remember in those places that are challenging and hard, help us to remember that we don't have to give up, that we don't have to be ashamed, that we have you to help us, that we can turn to you in our weakness, that you will help us and walk alongside of us and that we don't have to let an obstacle in our faith keep us from attaining the good things you have for us. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.